you come to lift him up today. Lord, we glorify you, we magnify you, we bless you in this place, dependent upon your presence, oh God. Let's give him glory today, church. Give him praise. Hallelujah. Let's sing to the Lord. We waited for this day. We're gathered in your name, calling out to you. Your glory like a fire, awakening desire will burn our hearts with you. Have you come to lift him up today? 
He's a mighty God, worthy of all praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
I'm glad I know who Jesus is. How about you folks? Praise the Lord. I'm ready to go today. I had a couple cups of coffee. I'm feeling ready. Now, if I get anointed too, plus caffeine, it is a dangerous situation. I got some coffee a while back, and on the label, I'm thinking it was Death Wish. Maybe, maybe that's the name of it. I can't remember. But anyhow, on that coffee, I remember that there was a label, coffee label, and it read this. It said, warning, highly addictive. Anybody ever seen that before? Y'all don't drink coffee that strong? <laughs> warning, highly addictive. I'm going to say it this way. Warning, we have some powerful scriptures and I'm about to read to you today. Are you ready for it? Because I'm telling you right now, it is some powerful stuff. And um, I have preachers that tell me all the time, uh, Larry comes, he's like a spiritual father to me. And Larry Anderson told me the other Sunday I preached a sermon. He said, Jimmy, you could have made four sermons out of that one sermon, son. And if I could get him to write my sermons, I'd break it up into four. I just don't know how. <laughs> but every now and then I accidentally... <laughs> go more than one week on a certain topic it's an accident trust me one week I did fake for like four weeks I'm just not quite relevant enough to be like hey guys we're on a four-week series but I do want to go back kind of to where we went last week I hope you enjoyed last week's service a generation of heroes I thought that was a powerful service and uh, our kids did a great job and and I'm telling you right now it was just it was a special service I, I felt like I, I had a special word that 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 I needed to share with y'all and and I think that that, that God was really speaking to us. But today I want to talk about power for the new millennium. And it kind of goes along with what we already talked about last week, but it's, it's going to be different in a sense. But I want to just dive in a little deeper into that. Go to Joel chapter 2, verse 21. Powerful scripture here. Many of it you've heard. 
Sometimes we just focus on two of these scriptures and we miss the others all the way around it, but they're all good. This is what God said. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things, exclamation point. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field, for the open pastures are springing up. The tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and the vineyard their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, that represents the church, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you. I love that. He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Be full of wheat. The vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, and that's a sermon in and of itself, but I'm not here to preach on locusts today. My great army which I sent among you, you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Don't you know God always gives us more than enough? And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions on my men servant and my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days isn't that beautiful God is doing something God is, the word you're going to hear today, God is accelerating His work among His people in these last days. Now somebody may ask, what is the urgency of the matter? Why is it so urgent that God accelerates this thing? The answer is very simple. And that is because Jesus Christ is coming back, ladies and gentlemen. And though you've heard it your whole life, I'm telling you, the signs and the things that are happening right now, even before our very eyes, the conflict and the tensions that you are seeing between the U.S. and China, this stuff is not coincidence. We are getting to a peak, to, a, to, a, to the point of the movie that they call the climax before it goes down from there. And I want somebody to understand that the reason this acceleration is needed is because Jesus is coming back. And trust me today, it is the prerogative of the church. It should be the prerogative and the driving force of the church that our main objective is to win every lost soul that we can and save them from the very fires of hell. That is our prerogative. It should be our heartbeat. It should be what we, the church, lives for is to make sure that everybody we come in contact with is ready when this second coming of Jesus Christ is going to happen. Now, when I look at the word acceleration, it means to cause to happen or something to happen sooner or quicker than it's... It's like the car. When you get ready and you get that emergency call, what do you do? You put the, the pedal to the metal, right? You press it, and what you do is you accelerate. That means that you're going to gain speed. If you gain speed from here to your house, then what you drove here, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get there quicker on the way back than you did on the way here because a speeding up has happened and accelerate. You may get a speeding ticket, and that may slow you down, but if you don't get a speeding ticket, you're going to get there faster. And I've come to tell somebody today that I believe in this new millennium, in this generation that we are living in. Yes, the generation of heroes. I am here to tell you that God is accelerating His work. It is keeping up with an acceleration of an advancing age that we see and we are living in. It is by no means accident that we are the generation that has been permitted to live during this time. I've said it so often. You wonder, why am I here? Why did God put me here? Why didn't he have a C.H. Spurgeon 
preaching in this last day hour. But see, it wasn't God's will. C.H. Spurgeon had his day. D.L. Moody had his day. The, the, the brothers, the Wesley brothers, John and Charles, they had their day. Jonathan Edwards preached a great sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He had his day, but now it is our time, church. It is our day. And if God didn't think that we couldn't handle the task at hand, then we would not be here. We have been sent for this generation. It is not by accident that you are a part of this end-time generation because God has us here for a reason. He has permitted us. We are what I would call a transitional generation. We, we are bringing the world from one millennium into the next millennium. There is a change. There is a, a shift in the atmosphere. The millennium church was conceived at a timely moment. We have been called to deliver a transforming message. We have been sent to carry out a transitional move of God. God has promised us power, the power to accomplish this task. And there are four words today. Of course, you're going to hear the word accelerated because that's what we're dealing with is acceleration. But there's four other words that I want to describe the heartbeat of this new millennium church that I'm talking about. Now, on a Wednesday night, we were in the middle of our Bible study and I got off and delved into a subject that I thought was a great subject. And I would mention it today. And it is simply this. The world is going to get worse. I said this to, I think, our Sunday morning crowd before too. But the world is going to get worse before it gets better. So if you're one of those people that you're sitting around waiting on the world to change and everything to get better, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. It's not happening. I am here to tell somebody, and I want everybody to leave encouraged today, all right? This world is going down. This world is going to degradate. Society is going to degradate. Your school's education system and what they deal with isn't getting any better. It is getting worse. The drugs that we are dealing with, the alcoholism, the sick, all this stuff that we're dealing with, that this weed and all this stuff that these kids are smoking these days, let me tell you something. It is not going to get better. Fentanyl in the streets is not going to get better. It is going to get worse. So is everybody still with me today? But what I preached and taught on that Wednesday night was while the world gets bad and worse, the church is supposed to get better. And what I taught that Wednesday was while that the world is going to hell in a handbasket and while the news that we watch is discouraging us and we feel like we could just lose it all any moment, the stock market's going to crash, everything's going to burn and go to the ground. While all of that bad news is going on, the church is going to be saying, we are seeing prosperity. Did you not hear what I read to you in Joel chapter 2? He said there's some blessings that are going to be pouring out and it's going to be on your church your vats are going to be full the favor of God is going to be on you that is the promise of God to this new millennium so while the world gets worse God helped the church to get better now I could preach here for a while and visit with you but I got to move on because I got a lot of ground to cover but I'm telling you that some churches have went the ways of the world and they are degradating just like the world is degradating but there is a church that Jesus is raising up that is going to be different. Can somebody shout amen? I refuse to pastor a dead, dried up church that doesn't know if we're going to make it or not. Because that is not the God of the church that I'm pastoring. The God that I serve said this church is going to be alive. It is going to be on fire. It is going to be thriving because that is the church that Jesus Christ wants in the last days. There's four things. Number one. God said you are going to see an accelerated harvest. All right, that's your first word, harvest. God said we, see in John chapter 4, Jesus speaks to this woman at the well. You know the story, the woman of Samaria. He introduces her to the kingdom life. She gets saved, puts her water bucket down, runs, says come see a man which told me everything. It must be the Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You know the story. The disciples come to Jesus. They are bewildered. They are upset. That he would minister to a Samaritan woman. See, they were called dogs, right? 
Why would you talk to this dog over here, Master? She's not a Jew. Shame on you, Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. Multicultural churches are bursting out of the seam right now. They are busting out of the seam. And I'm going to tell you something. Heaven is going to be so diverse if we can't handle diversity in the church, then, brother, we can't go to heaven. Because heaven is going to look different than anything you've ever seen. I mean, there's going to be black, white, there's going to be Asian, there's going to be all kinds of... There's going to be Spanish, Spanish, I'm trying to say Mexicans, what I'm trying to say, bless God. Hispanic is the word I'm looking for. It's going to be so different and so cultural that God's going to say, Look, this is the church that I want. This is the kingdom of God. And Jesus was ministering to her. And he crossed those boundaries and those lines that said only the Jews can be a part of this church. Only the Jews can be saved. But God said, No, no, no. That is not the church that I'm looking for. That woman got saved. Revival broke out there. Leaps and bounds. Because God said, When you go and you become the church you preach the gospel to all nations the view of the harvest may have not have been immediate but they saw the harvest as being somewhere in the distant future but look at what Jesus said to them in John 4 35 he has ministered to this woman she is her life has been changed by the power of Christ and he looks at them and says, Do you not say, There are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, Lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white to harvest. That means the harvest is here. Somebody shout hallelujah. Give me a little air over me. I'm about to die. I'm sorry y'all heard that. I couldn't mute my mic fast enough. God said, Wait a minute. You think that I'm talking about a harvest down the road. You think I'm procrastinating to send this revival. You think I'm procrastinating to send you a harvest. To send souls like the Samaritan woman to you. Different diversity, different culture. You think that that's something down the road. God said, wait a minute. You've got it wrong. The harvest has been accelerated. Look up now. They're out there and they're coming. If that is not a message that excites the church, then, brother, we have lost our vision for what the kingdom of God is supposed to be. He informed the disciples that they would reap where they did not sow. That is kingdom work, ladies and gentlemen. Another church got them saved, and they became leaders at a church down the road. That's what the harvest is going to look like. That's where you and I are today. We are in a season that God is telling us, now is not the time to wait for a harvest to come. We are in reaping season. The harvest has been accelerated. What may have taken years and months now is only going to take you days and weeks because the reaping season is upon you. Listen, folks, we need to win souls now more than we ever have before. God has them out there. And as the world gets worse... What does that mean for the church? Does anybody know? That's more of a harvest field. You know, there is no excuse. Can I just preach for just a minute? There is no excuse that every church shouldn't be filled. Thank you. Amen, Brother Byron. I appreciate that. I got an amen from my father-in-law here. Thank y'all. There is no excuse for us in this last day not to have every one of these seats packed and I'm having to meet and say wait guys we're going to have to go to double services we can't we can't do one service on Sunday we're going to have to do two this crowd is getting too big because listen to me ladies and gentlemen the problem is ne has never been the harvest the problem has always been the laborers that recognize there is a harvest but if you can ever get it in people's heart that God has a harvest and it's for your taking and it is time for you to reap that is why it is so beautiful when you get somebody that gets saved and they come to Christ and they invite one person to church and that one person comes to church and that one person's life is changed forever the sermon the singing whatever it is 
something connects with their spirit. They go to an altar, they get touched, they get changed, they just are transformed. Something they've never felt before. It's called the power of God's what it's called, folks. It's the Holy Spirit. And once that person gets invited to church, they think to themselves, man, we ought to do this again. And they go out and they find another friend and they start bringing them. Because, listen, it sets a fire under you when you know somebody and they were struggling and you got them in the church and all of a sudden you saw the change in their life. That will light a fire under you to say, I want to see this more often. Go after the harvest. It is there. God has accelerated it. And here's the sad part. Is that they tell us that 80 to 85% of people that know us that are our friends that don't go to church, if we would simply invite them verbally, they said they would come to church. Can you believe that? God just needs you to go get the harvest. We'll get it later. No, we don't have time to get it later. God said, go now. Reap it now. There's accelerated harvest. Number two, there's accelerated opportunities. A matter of fact, we have the internet. Has anybody ever heard of that? Internet, hallelujah. How many of you older folks remember when you didn't even know what a computer was, right? You definitely didn't know what internet was. You didn't even know what a cell phone was. Don't tell me God hasn't accelerated the opportunity to spread the gospel. I'm telling you, listen to me, folks. Let me just, the opportunities for the church today are unprecedented. That means we have never known them before. We have access, listen, right now, right here today, I have access to people's living rooms in Nigeria. I want everybody to grab that for just a moment. I told you the other week, what would the Apostle Paul do with Facebook? First off, he'd probably be suspended really quick. <laughs> what would John the Revelator do if he just had Twitter? I mean, come on now. I mean, if he just had these things, YouTube, if he had access to this, what would they have done with the gospel? My God. Goodness, there's no telling what they could have done. Here we are today in a new millennium, and God has changed things, and things are shifting. My goodness, we've got T-shirts, we've got websites, we've got projectors, we got radio, we got TV, we got social media. You talk about an opportunity to reach people for Jesus Christ. God is helping us. He's loosening us from the place where two roads meet together. It's the road of the past and the road of the future. And God has called us away from the in-between place. He has given us this wonderful opportunity. And he said, you can go ahead and you can merge the past with the present. In other words, we can move forward. We can take advantage of new opportunities while at the same time still having a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost, mighty, powerful move of God and revival in the church. You can merge them together what can be more powerful than that I don't know of anything Jesus rode an unridden colt I do know that to Jerusalem indicating that he did not come to destroy the old law he came to fulfill it he had simply ridden it out the old and it was time for a new covenant to be set in motion. He basically merged the past with the future to move forward. It is time for the church to hop on the back of some unridden opportunities that we have failed to utilize and to use properly and reap the harvest. Understand me, it may be different and, and, and we can't afford to miss them because if we miss these things, we will miss a harvest. But can I tell you this? In my humble opinion, the best way to grow a church is not Facebook. Don't everybody shout at once. You'll ruin my message today. Just hang in there. I may come reach somebody's living room in Nigeria, but there's one thing about it. They ain't coming to church here Sunday. But your neighbor can. Woo! We have to take... I still believe in the good old-fashioned. 
face to face. Give me a handshake, Johnny. I'd love to see you Sunday. There is something powerful about that eye-to-eye contact that still works. And God is saying, I have accelerated your harvest. I've accelerated your opportunity. Now do something with it. Thirdly, accelerated restoration. In our text, the locusts have ate a lot of things. You, I read it to you. They've eaten from the field. They've, eat, they've ate their wheat. But in Joel chapter 2, God promises restoration to Israel. He promises, listen, they had been devastated. According to my text, there's four different type locusts that are mentioned. I don't have time to preach on all of them. But they had been devastated by the attack of the locusts. Little things had created huge problems. And I can say it this way. There's things in our life that are little that create big problems, right? But there's some little changes that can also bring some big, huge, great results as well. And God said to them, I am going to give you a promise like you've never heard before. I am going to give you six months of rain in 30 days. Woo! You talk about acceleration he says those fields have been destroyed but you get out there and you plant your seed again and I'm going to get you out of this famine you've been in this dry thing do you know what dry things do they don't grow so God says you got to have some water you got to have some blessing and I'm telling you the spirit represents water it represents fire all throughout the scripture but from the standpoint of the water what we need in our churches to grow no it's not a new ministry it's not a different change what we need is the Holy Spirit to flow down like water and to come down like rain and to bring life to things that are dead that is what God said in Joel he's going to do I am going to bring the water down in 30 days you are going to get six months worth of rain your crops are going to grow again he promised to them the fruit on the vine your grapes are going to grow there's going to be grain on the threshing floor he promised them that their vats or their cisterns would be full of oil and wine spirit and joy is what that represents God says I am bringing my spirit back to the church I am bringing joy back to the church I am bringing back the joy of their salvation you know, we often, we don't realize what that really means because we've been saved for so long that we, we've forgotten about it. But do you know what the joy of salvation is? The joy of salvation is the night you got saved. That's the joy of your salvation. The joy of your salvation is when the preacher preached, he gave an altar call, and you went and knelt down in an old-fashioned altar, and you said, Jesus changed my life. And there was joy unspeakable and full of glory. You could not understand it. You could not explain it. But you knew that the burden that you once had of sin all over your shoulder, it was immediately lifted off. You felt like a bird that had been released out of a cage. You walked out of that church not looking like you had lost your best friend or sucked on a lemon, stepped on your bottom lip. What you looked like when you walked out of that church was I'm happy to know who Jesus is another Sunday come on honey get that chicken fried Sunday we walk out of church sometimes still look defeated God forgive us because God says I'm doing something I am going to accelerate restoration for every one of my people that have been going through famine. For every one of my people that have been fighting against the devil. And every time they turn around, all they ever see is the enemy coming and rising up against them. I want you to know something today. You need to lift up your head. Your redemption draws not. I need this last day to understand. Yes, you can get discouraged by the news. Yes, you can get discouraged by what's going on in this world around you. But I'm telling you, you are not of this world. You are not of this one. This is not your kingdom. Your kingdom is above. Get your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. I'm about to do something. I'm about to restore you again. That's right. Even 50-year veteran Christians, I'm about to light a fire under you like you've never had before. 
why does God restore me? Why does God want me to have this joy? Why does God want me to walk out happy that I know who Jesus is? The reason he wants me to be that way is because he wants me to win somebody that doesn't know. And I want them to experience what I have experienced. And I think that's why God said sometimes I've got to restore you. Because sometimes you can get slack. Sometimes we can get slack. Sometimes we can look discouraged all the time, just acting as if we've lost our best friend. And God says, this is not the church that I've raised up for the last day. This is not the Christian that you are to be in this last day. I've got something better for you than that. See, there's something the Bible said. I'm going to leave you with this. I'm going to my last point. He that winneth souls is what? Is wise. God is accelerating the harvest. He promises a restoration of what? Of years. He does not promise a restoration of just a few days or weeks. But he said to them, I am going to restore you for years. Are y'all ready for this? Are you ready? Just give me a little nod if you're still with me. Here we go. When I was growing up, we used to have revival. Revivals lasted one week. Back when I was a kid, revivals were two weeks. All well and good, right? Yeah. Yay. Hallelujah. The problem is we had them every month. We had created a culture to where we thought, I'm just going to talk to you here. We had created a culture to where we thought that if we were going to keep our congregation excited and happy and joyful about God, we had to bring them to a revival once every month or two just to keep that fire burning. If that is the de as deep as your Christianity goes, you need to hit the altar this morning and pray through. I'm just going to say it the way it is. If all you need is a revival and a guest speaker to come in to get you going, then brother, you have failed to recognize the power of the blood of Jesus and what he did on the cross for you. Because that's enough for me. But we created this culture. And what we did is we would have revival, and I figured it out. I started looking. All right, if we have it every couple months, we would have revival for a week or two, get the church fired up. Right, Byron? Get them fired up. Praise God. Let's do this. Hallelujah. Pastors are living on the, they're just like, whoa, praise God. I thought I just got here last week again. Been pastoring 10 years. It's like a fresh pastor. This church has come alive. Thank you, Jesus. But I figured out what happened. We waited until the congregation died down. We figured out if we can do it every month or two, they kind of got a calendar, I think, and figured out based on their people's responses to their sermons. And they thought, all right, we can have revival this week, and it'll last us for about a month. Everybody's still with me. So when it's running out of fumes and we smell the fumes, we're going to book another revival because we got to get them going again. God said, I am not restoring you for a week. I am not restoring you for a, a year. He said, I am going to restore you for years. My God, have mercy. What they had lost, God accelerated their restoration, and they've got years full in the vat. They've got year full of wheat in the grinding floor. I mean, God's just blessing them in a way they've never seen before. See, can I just say it the way I feel it? I really believe that God is right, right this very minute. Can I just say it? I believe that God is looking over heaven right now. And I believe at every church, he's looking over this morning. And he's saying, my goodness, I'm just waiting on a group of people, that a church that will say, pour out, pour out on us, Lord. I mean, I think God right now is looking over the windows of heaven saying, who wants revival? Who wants a blessing? All over America today, people will go to church. They'll have their same routine stuff. They'll do their song. They'll do their sermon. They'll take their offering. They'll go home. Half the people are still discouraged. But we had church. And God said, that's not what I want. 
How many churches today are missing out on what God wants to do right here today, February the 5th, in this new millennium, in the year 2023? This new millennium, God says there's power in it. I want you to understand, I believe God is just waiting. And if somebody in this church will say, God, we've been waiting. It's been dry. It's been dry in our marriage. It's been dry for our kids. It's been dry for our church. God, would you just pour out on us? I believe God would jump off of his throne and start raining down immediately. He's wanting to. He's wanting to bless you. He's wanting to restore you. He wants you to be happy again. So God said, I have accelerated this restoration. The days of divine recovery, all that hath been stolen from you and taking away from you is coming back to you with interest. And I'll leave you with this, number four. He said there is going to be, you can go back to my title, the word that we used at the beginning. There is going to be accelerated power. In Matthew chapter 20, Jesus tells of a lamp to hire laborers for his vineyard. The story refers in increments of three hours. He says, I hired laborers at the third hour. I hired laborers at the sixth hour. I hired laborers at the ninth hour, but the twelfth hour, that's when it's over. The bridegroom comes, right? So he said, I went out, and it changes to an increment of two for the last day church. He says, and I went and got some people for the eleventh, the eleventh hour. That's at the brink of the end. This is the end time. He said, I hired some eleventh hour laborers. Now, this is what's crazy. The 11th hour laborers were paid for one hour of labor. What everybody else was paid for a whole day. How many of you like that? Anybody? I mean, you work eight hours and you get your check and somebody starts you on the job for one hour and be like, hey, pay up. And you're like, hey, buddy, what you making? Same thing you did, brother. And we're going to have fights right there in the middle of the yard. They got angry. Fair, right? I mean, rightfully so. But let me bring this story into perspective. Let me make it the word that I love using relevant for everybody. God is giving the church of these last days in this new millennium the power that he has been spreading out for over the last 2,000 years. All right. And you ever had moments like that where you're teaching, you're like, guys, y'all just missed that. I just had a moment like that. I said, God is giving our church in these last days all of the power spread out, all culminated over the last 2,000 years. He's bundled it in a package and said, here you go. The ministry of the Apostle Paul, here you go. The Apostle Peter, you like shadows healing people, here you go. You like Lazarus being raised from the dead, here you go. Isn't that powerful? My goodness, this is mind-boggling. We are the 11th hour church. We are not the third, sixth, ninth hour. We are the 11th hour church before the end. All right, let, let's, let's close with this. I got to go. Let, let's put this image up there, Chevy. All right. So I've got Joel chapter 228. And in the last days, let me, let me see if I can get here. All right. He said this. I can't get this thing to get off my iPad. There's strings popping up everywhere, and I'm confused. All right. He said, and it shall come to pass afterward. I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, your daughters are going to prophesy. Your old men see dreams, all this stuff. I'm going to pour out my spirit in these last days. Watch this. At the beginning, I've got a prophet, Joel, just to put it into perspective. I want everybody to grab this. Can you see it? I hope you can. If you can, I'll read it. Joel is in the year 850 B.C. Everybody understand what that means? That means 850 years before Jesus Christ was born in a manger. The prophet Joel has his scope out <laughs> and he's looking and it says the prophet Joel sees the distant 
peak of the Holy Spirit outpouring as a mountain peak that is viewed with binoculars from afar. 850 B.C. But then I got 32, 33 A.D. That's about the time that Jesus dies. I've got the Apostle Peter, a little stick figure. Isn't that a nice drawing? His foot is on what we know as Pentecost. He is pointing his finger. After Pentecost, we are going to go through the Dark Ages. The Roman Catholic Church, that's right, I said it. The Empire of Rome, they are going to kill people. They will behead James. They will hang Peter upside down. That's right. They're going to exile John the Pastor. I mean, all this stuff is going on during the Dark Ages. Do you understand what the Dark Ages mean? That's exactly what it sounds like. It was a dark time. It was bad for the church. If you came forward today and didn't know Christ, and I said, would you like to know him today? You knew that when you stepped out of your little seat and you walked down the aisle, it could be a death sentence just to know who he is. Wow, that's what I say. The dark ages have happened. The awakenings are taking place. This is around the second millennials kicking in. We've got the first great awakening, 1730 through 40. That's George Whitefield's day. We've got the second great awakening with the Wesley, 1790 through 1820. We've got a Zusa Street revival that breaks out. And even the church of God is formed during that, 1906 through 1915. And I've got, see, do you, do you see the elevation, the Holy Spirit outpouring? Do you see the peak? There's a, there, there, we got Pentecost. Look at the peaks. Pentecost is up here. The dark ages go down here. Sometimes it's going to get worse before it gets better. But if you can hang in there, the trend always goes back up. And so we got Peter. He's pointing and he says of Joel's prophecy and of Pentecost. He said this belongs to that and he's looking in the distance and it's the climax of the Holy Spirit outpouring that will come here in the last days in which we live God, oh God help me Jesus come to the piano I'm closing go back to title screen I'm done he has taken all that was given to the disciples to the 120 that are in that upper room believers that got baptized with the Holy Ghost the first and second great awakenings the Azusa Street Revival and he has compacted it in the one powerful explosive final hour package and said here you go church it's all yours How can we walk around so weak as if we don't have an ounce of power, as if we don't have an ounce of anointing? Shame on us! Because God has given us this final hour powerful package and says it is time for you to experience an explosion of power that is going to allow you to have a greater works ministry. God's move is accelerated among us today. As the church prepares to reap the great last day harvest, God says, I have given you a power for the new millennium. We are going to see something the disciples never saw. He says, you are going to see things that the great awakenings never saw. You are going to see something that Azusa Street never saw. Do you know why? Because of the condition of the world that you're in. It's going to take more power. It's going to take a greater explosion. It is going to take a greater blessing. Now we can do like most churches and we can shrug it off. Go about our business. That's what normally happens. Sometimes I wonder why I even preach messages. I really do. Sometimes I wonder why I even preach that. I mean, who's going to listen anyhow? We can shrug it off. Or either we can take this thing serious. And we can understand the authority and the power that we have been given in Jesus Christ. When people stand up against you and there's a demon in them, you have been given the power to cast that demon out. You have that authority. You have that power. That's the anointing God has given us. 
Somebody said, why don't it operate like it used to? That's the point I'm trying to make. It's our fault. The power is there. The package has been hand-delivered by Christ Himself to the church. God says, I am going to do it. Somebody said, it's impossible. But I say with God, all things are possible. To the doubters, I say, you can't put God in a box. He is unlimited in His potential. He isn't bound by time and space like we are. He isn't bound by the fact that he can't figure this thing out. My goodness. He's greater than that. Let's stand. I'm closing. Gapfield Church of God, I say to you today, don't miss out on this great move of God that is coming to us. As a pastor, as every staff member, I am encouraging you, let us prepare our church for this last day harvest. Father, fill your house today. Fill our lives. Change us. Let us recognize the power and the anointing that has been given to us. And while the world is getting worse and worse, it seems that the church is getting more and more complacent and I know that was prophetic and I know that God said there was coming a day in the end time there's going to be a group of people that are going to seek out teachers having itching ears and they're going to want to turn to fables and they're going to want to hear a sermon but God that message is not for pulpits that are preaching the truth that prophecy cannot be cast a shadow over our church that believes the whole Bible fully inspired by God that may be for that church down the road but it is not for this church promise that you have given us is greater works than these shall you do because I go to the Father help us to recognize that today in Jesus name oh Jesus is enough it's renewing come on and pray if you want to today it's renewing restoring saving oh delivering and it's setting us free. Do you want this last day outpouring? Do you want this last day anointing? Do you want God to do something in you that you've never seen before? Do you want God to do something in your church that you've never seen before? Do you want to see your community saved? God's wanting us to say, let the rain fall. Let the rain pour on us, God. Shower down the blessing of the latter day rain. You've given us power. We often go back and we are popular keep playing we are popular we have become professionals at talking about the past we have become very good at talking about how it used to be in our churches I always reference back because sometimes that's all we have to pull from is the past right and so sometimes we go back oh well you know I remember man my mama one time doing this and that and the other and I think all the time Can we not grab that? We act like the best generation was that generation. Some of us act like our best generation was our grandma's generation. And not that we don't love them and appreciate them. But when Joel gave the prophecy, he said, it's your sons and your daughters. Why do we act like there's a deceleration in this generation? We have become humanistic in our thinking. And what that means is we've allowed what the world is doing to bleed over into the church. 
And we have thought since there's a deceleration and a degradation in the world, then it must be in the church. If things are going to get worse in the world, surely they're going to decelerate and back up a notch and not be as good in our church. But see, that's not what God said. And God, listen, I know, I know the Bible at the back of my hand. It was prophesied in the last days you're going to have people that are going to seek out teachers that have itching ears and they're going to go to them and say, preach to us fables. Tell us what we want to hear. To that church, you're exactly right. Deceleration will happen. Even if it supposedly is growing, those numbers are not going to last forever. I am more concerned about your spiritual growth than I am numerical growth. To that church, sure. They can talk about the previous generation all they want and how it used to be and how it was better. But to the church that preaches the Bible and to the church that will claim the promises of God, I am saying to you today that God has promised through Joel 850 years ago, through the Apostle Peter, this is for that. Over 2,000 years in the making, God showed them there is an acceleration. The peak does not decline. The peak inclines. And he sees us and it's constantly going up, up, up. So if the first great awakening was great, the second great awakening will be better. And if the second great awakening was great, a Pentecostal experience like they don't even understand happened on Azusa Street, 1906 through 1915. And if you think that was good, God help me. Is anybody grabbing this or, or am I, have, have I went cuckoo this morning? Maybe I have. I, I, maybe I'm crazy today. I'm crazy every day, ask my wife. But if Azusa Street was great, and if God is a God of acceleration, then my mama's generation should have been saying, man, we think it's good now. But God, I hope I'm there to see my son's generation. And I should be saying of the next generation, God, I hope I'm alive and around. When my son and my daughter have kids and I'm seeing this generational blessing because all that is from here, it's going to get better and better and better. Now you can be in the group that Satan convinces that things are worse, worse, worse and you can be in that mindset if you want to. But I am not going to be in that mindset because if that's the mindset that I've got to be in, then I am in the wrong occupation because I don't want to be in that type of occupation. I want to be in a church that says the best is yet to come. We're going higher and higher higher and higher I, I'm closing right now it's funny but when you preach sermons it's something for everyone some Sundays I may preach and people may think huh I but sometimes people tell me that's a pastor oh, that's the best sermon I've heard you preach and I think well thank you but Byron Duncan, something comes over me after I hear comments like that. And Satan always messes with me. And he says to me, Jimmy, how are you going to top that sermon? That's what he says to me. And I remind him, first off, it's not me topping anything. It's relying upon the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit wants to top that, the Holy Spirit can top that. But my point is, when we get in the right mentality... We don't think that way. We think, huh, you think the Spirit was here today and it was good today? You wait till next week. You think the singing was good? You wait the next week. You think the presence of God was powerful? You wait the next week. It ain't even going to compare because the God that I serve is a God of us. <sighs> I guess sooner or later we'll get to a place that we'll know the only higher we can go is to heaven. And that's when he'll call us home. But until then, it's going to get better and better and better.
And I'm saying to you, Daddy, and I'm saying to you, Mama, you can settle for that mentality in your family. Oh, it's going to get worse. They're never going to. But I'm challenging you today for your family, for your job, for your church, my goodness, for your marriage, for everyday life. I am challenging you. Quit thinking it gets worse. I want you to start thinking tomorrow is going to be better because that is the God that I serve. And there are times I've been in services and I thought, there's no better than that. There's no way we could ever have a better service than that. And then the next week, God blows my mind. Do you know what God wants me to know? Jimmy, I am not in a box. And I am not human. And I am not you. And I am not flesh. If I want it to be better, I'll make it better. Because that's why I'm God and you're not. You just trust me for the results. I'll take care of the rest. My gosh. Can we give God a hand clap of praise? I'm leaving. God bless you today. It's real.